All right. So I'd like to welcome everybody to tonight's game or tonight's uh, stream of Table Breakers, episode six. I've got the invite sent out there to Garrett and Blaine. So hopefully I won't be streaming alone, although I can. Thank you for uh, showing up for my stream. And for those of you watching this on the replay, I really appreciate you. I appreciate that. While I'm waiting for everybody to gather, a friend of ours in the fandom menace or in uh, the fellowship or however you wish to discuss it, the, the uh, people who are common sense enabled that complain about Star Wars episode eight, seven, nine, everything new with uh, Star Trek, the people that have complained about that, we lost a, a member of our community this last week. And I'd just like to say, I'd, I'd like to thank you, JJ. I didn't tell you how much I appreciated you while you were here, but you provided me a lot of inspiration this last quarter to step up my game and to get going. I, uh, it sounds petty, but in August, when I was in the hospital with the iPhone connected to my hand, when I was in the hospital watching YouTube and everything else going on, I kind of got upset because every stream I turned on, JJ's in it. And every conversation with JJ, if, if you let it go on for half a second too long, he would double it back into Star Wars, what it used to be and how, it, how we remember it when it was good. And when I, when I say when it was good, I mean... 1982, 1983, 1985, and it kind of petered out. Garrett, get your material going. I understand. You, you've got to do some tech stuff here in a minute. <clears throat> I started late thinking that the stream would be able to start at 730. All right. There's Kai. Sorry, I took so long. You hear me? I can okay, hear you. I can't see you, but I, I can hear you just fine. Ah, crud. Camera got knocked over. I'm so sorry. Oh, you're good. But, uh, yeah, Garrett's computer's being dumb, he says. But there was, there was this guy named JJ, and his family found him uh, unconscious and unresponsive on Sunday morning, I believe, or Monday morning. And it just kind of broke our hearts because the guy, he was a real okay. good fella. Yeah. And uh, he always tried to reach out, and he, he succeeded in things that professional psychologists and doctors and emotional therapy people should learn because it's their job. But JJ, for, being all, for having all the challenges he had, and I mean, the guy was gifted in a way to where he could reach out and just talk to people, and within five minutes, he'd give them a spill in their guts. So, uh, the memory of JJ, listen, buddy, I know you're with the Angels now, and I know you're probably irritating shit of Gabriel and everybody else about how you think Episode 7 would have been better with Timothy Zahn writing the script. We agree. We fucking agree, buddy. And God yeah. bless you and with your family. With that, I'd like to welcome my uh, panel. This is Garrett and Kai. To, uh, Get ready yet. Here we go. There we go. <laughs> How are you gentlemen tonight? I'm uh, all right. 
Carrot, Within are you finito on getting everything squared away with your your stream stuff? Almost. Yeah, enough. Stuff, okay. Yeah. While he's doing that, Blaine. Yes. Had a good week. <laughs> it was good enough. I don't see you with any casts on, so I assume you did pretty well. Yeah, just everyone at work, work has the cough, so. Well, it is Thanksgiving. <laughs> I know, but I find it suspicious that a driver and all my managers caught the coup at the same day, at the same time. So, <laughs> so we're all dealing with, you know, the 10 days of nobody in charge. And yeah, it's great. I would celebrate that. Yeah, I don't celebrate the understaffing part. So, well, the good thing about being a driver, you can only work so much OT. That's true. The bad thing about being a driver is seventy hours is a long fucking time. It is, and I've been looking at on average fifty-eight to sixty. So, yeah. Yeah. Hey, parrot head, how you doing, sir? If you guys are on my channel on Discord, I would recommend that you say hello to Parrothead. Oh, and hello. He's a, he's a heck of a guy. He's gone through some things lately. But he has got some of the hottest takes. Or he finds articles and stuff, and memes on the web. You want him to be in your, your friend's corner because you want him to deliver you some, some funny goods at like 4 a.m. or... 9 a.m. And he does that on a religious basis. I'm nothing just, wrong with I'm that. Say that. No, nothing wrong with that at all. All right. Hopefully I'm, the, I'm looking for the right channel. To, okay, cool. There we go. Paula Patriot says, Smoothie is awesome. He's referring to his favorite Star Wars character, who I do not know. I will look and it up. <laughs> did he say Hootie? Smoothie. Oh, I thought you said hootie. I was going to go, wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Where, yeah, no, where, where's, where's the blowfish? Where's the blowfish? Need some blowfish. No, it is not uh, smoothie. God dang it. Yeah, you have a correct. Yeah, period. Uh, not to mention the good porn. <laughs> the poon. The poon. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Here we go. So. Past couple streams, we've talked about getting everybody. Yes, we was from Star Wars Bounty Hunter. I remember that now. We've been talking about getting people butts to the seats for game time. And uh, Blaine had the audacity to be like, let's talk about Session Zero. And I'm like, uh, oh, God. Yeah, I did have the audacity, didn't I? Yeah, it's did. been two weeks. I don't remember half what I say. So. Yeah. It's Hello, the lovely Sherry. How are you, dear? <laughs> Sherry's a wonderful... She's a wonderful person that gets into a lot of the YouTube chats and uh, the fellowship, and she likes to listen to everybody talk about their various hobbies and such. Um... Blaine, if you could yes. just take a couple minutes. Yeah. We have we have until 9 30. 
I want to go right. from nine thirty. I don't want to okay. really go over two hours, but let's not do ten. I, yeah, ten always hurts. So, fifteen you, hours later, we're still going. God no, God no. <laughs> I have work. We, we've shaken like, up. We've shaken up Blaine and just set him down in front of people. And, rah! Yeah. Talk, talk about what it is that that you would do to get your session zero going. What are you going to verbalize to the players and people that are interested but not yet committed? Well, honestly, I was, my session zeros are always pretty much me just throwing it. Since I run in a continuous world where I've been running it for decades now, m most of the time all I ever end up doing is just throwing a map on this on the that I have that's on the paper. I upload it to the group and just tell everyone to go. So, which where in the world do you want to start at? And they're like. Well, where are we? I, what's going on? Well, then you just give them a quick overview of like time jump, major changes that have happened in the time jump, and then I just go. So, what area do you guys want to? I want to work with, and they're like um, this. Well, what kind of story are you looking for? Well, I want X, Y, and Z thing, which, depending on the group, could be you know something more intrigue or plotting, something that's more. I want to be out there and adventuring and seeing what's wrong, what's in the world, or somewhere like. I want to do underworld stuff, and and well, since I put the work in, I have all that stuff written out on where I can find it all and what I can do with it. So they tell me what they want. I tell them the options. They pick an option, which is usually based on like wardrobe and culture, and then we just go from there. So and I know most people are like I want to make sure that my that my character you know that my group is a well balanced group and I want and I don't want certain races and I don't want certain aspects and I need my alignment to be perfect so that way because my sensitive GMness requires me to be to cater to my you know inability to handle anything that's outside of a norm which is usually lame as hell but because I've sat through other people's session zeros, so I'm just like, so what do y'all want to play? And at that point, you just kind of work with them. And usually I can't get everybody who's going to be at the game to actually be there for session zero, quote unquote. Yeah, that, that was a, a cluster getting everybody getting... Yeah, and so, which is always a problem when you, uh, if you have a GM who's like, I need to witness every single character role and action you make. I need to witness it because I can't trust you. What if it's in the I rules? don't trust my players. What, well, what if it's in the rules? <laughs> well, so what? I trust my players to be able to do basic math. I nice. do. Like, it's like, can you do basic math? Do you have nope. comprehension of what letters are? Can you string them together to mean something? Can you read? If you can make these basic hurdles of being able to addition and subtraction and maybe, maybe follow a word problem, you might be able to handle playing a role-playing game. It's not hard. And so therefore, when you have a room of eight people simultaneously or four people and then two people who are like i couldn't make the game can i like make my character yeah i you know what and as the you know to use the old quote if you i it's like if you aren't trying you are, I, if you aren't cheating you aren't trying and it's like at least if you're going to fucking try to cheat me make it look like try to make it not obvious 
because if I if if you're obvious and I know you're screwing with me, I'm just going to punish you and you're just going to deal with it. And it's just simple at that point. It's just simply a trust exercise. If do you trust your players or do you not? Are your friends trustworthy or do you think they're all out to out to scam you and they're all out to ruin your life? Well, I mean, if you're playing with people you can't trust, well, then maybe you shouldn't be playing with them. But if you can trust your friends, you can trust them to, you know, follow things right. So you don't need to watch every single role, every single action, no matter. And even if some some cracked out loser of a of a writer who is probably retired doesn't give a shit about your game, who's sitting, who's who's sitting, who's sitting in California or New York. Talk about how awesome his farts smell. And that's, he goes, well, yeah, I wrote a book 15 years ago, and that said this. And you should follow what I said because I'm the most important person in the world. No one gives a shit who you are because nobody <laughs> cares who the fuck wrote your game when everyone's sitting at the table. Nobody uh, – there is not a person on the planet who fucking opens this book and goes, who wrote this book? I need to make sure that they okay what I say. Oh, this lead designer, this, this Mike Merrill's guy, that's so important. He wrote this. We should follow this as though it's the Bible. Fuck that guy. And the guy, so if the rules say, well, you need to watch watch everything, well, sure. I'll come fly his fucking ass out to my goddamn table, and he can watch everything for me. I'm busy doing other things, like answering 15 questions. I can't sit there and babysit a bunch of people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, or teenagers <laughs> who are all trying to do things simultaneously. <laughs> you know... There was a stream on last night. Yeah. And it was, it was Bloodworth talking to JSG. Yeah. And I watched oh, about 50 minutes of it, and I about threw a shoe through my computer. Yeah. Because um, I can only handle so much JSG, I found out. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't really like the guy much, but zero accountability in terms of uh, self-realization. All right. He just doesn't understand his place. And he's All right. still still hammering that old school gamers need to understand that they're hurting the hobby by not playing fifth edition D D, which he's still <laughs> preaching this. <laughs> and for for two hours he talked about this. Now mind you, he also got Bloodworth kicked off Twitch, said to switch over to YouTube. Who knows where that stream's at and what, what's going to go on with that one? But but he, he, he said something. And so that stream's gone until Bloodworth figures out, boomers out where, where it's at, because sometimes things disappear in your PC. Right. But God bless it. Like, I watched 50 minutes of it and I just, I never wanted. To choke another D and D player before so fervently, but he he pisses me off so well just in the fact that like no matter what the new edition of the game is, you got to just burn all your current books and buy only that because that's all that matters. Even if it's written by blue hairs that have never rolled a D twenty before and they're telling you about dungeons and discussions and how to have eight hour sessions for writing camps. And and it just makes my bladder yearn for the sweet 
sweet ecstasy of death from overpowered vodka. I'm so glad I missed this because I, I was busy, you know. The only thing that JSG does is he creates hate clicks. And it, apparently Bloodworth got so he he got so many clicks, he beat out Tinkar's Tavern on their YouTube stream. I, I'm sorry, I only had the 5e books at hand because the only other fantasy book that I had no, I didn't have it on Facebook. So the only other thing I had at hand to go to try to be all smarty with is Twilight 2000, and that's the wrong game when we're talking about Dungeons and Dragons. So yeah, it, it's all right, but I just I had to bring that up because this happened 24 hours ago. Okay, and Max and uh, Joe were talking on the the Gatekeeper stream, and we're like, "Why is there only like three people in the chat?" And come find out, like, there's hundreds of people watching. Babu Frick, sorry, sorry, uh, Apollo. Babu Frick and and uh, ASG, not Babu Frick, uh, Bloodworth. Sorry, Bloodworth. But Have a conversation. I I, I I I hear him talk, and I can usually laugh about it, and I think, you know, I could probably have a conversation with him. But then I think about it, and it'd be like inviting Cobra over to your house to talk about world domination, and for about ten <laughs> minutes, Bruce could be all cool. And Destro, like, yes, yes, how that sounds about, brilliant. About, num- about minute number 11, I'm there, John Connery tripping Tim Curry in the hunt for Red October, snapping his neck, and spilling his <laughs> coffee and tea all over the room. Okay, I would just my it would snap, it would, it would snap. It, it I can only handle so much, JSG, and I, I know he's probably got a medical condition that makes him that accentuates everything wrong with him. God damn it, like, retards are not supposed to be a form of entertainment in 2021, but here they are, retards are a form of entertainment in 2021. They always are, and it's a and, and it's a blast. But the thing is, is that... You're through there editing, God damn it, bitch, don't listen to this. <laughs> Where's my beat button when I need it? <laughs> We're terrible, and I, and I apologize, slightly. I've got Vigo brewing some stew. We're going to release it in the underground river beneath uh, San Antonio, and we'll try this. We'll try this uh, takeover of uh, San Antonio once again. The Vigo works. But yeah, you you got your your people that they they come over for third ed or for uh, for fifth ed or for basic or for rune whatever whatever game it is. Right. Go ahead. I, honestly, when it comes down to it, is is that often the people who are coming to your table, if you know them, are there because your you the GM is a good enough player that they is a good enough person who's running the game that they want to be at your game. They don't even care what you're running. So if you're like okay. I will caveat off this for one little detail. If you're going to a store. Oh no! What? Sorry. No, 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 no. It, it was, it was the. It, it does matter when, because you, you remember when you say D and D, you have to actually explain what gaming system you're using. What? I will admit, or, or people, or or people will get mad in a Discord for three hours. Look, as far as I'm concerned, generic like. 
there's a game, there's a joke that my, in my campaign, I started I started running this thing under Legend of the Five Rings first edition, and then I moved over to Besom, then I moved over to, to D and D third, then I tried other game engines and just whatever game engine works works. The players don't care. The, all they care is that they get to play a good character, a fun character. But the only time that I've ever run into a problem of people being really anal about it is when you go out into a public environment to a gaming store then session zero becomes really important because at that point you need to be able to go like greetings and salutations my i knew people who want to play my game we are going to be playing this version of dungeons and dragons it is a it is pathfinder first edition it is using these particular books if you do not use these books if you use books that are not on my list of allowed of allowed books, I will be very angry, and I must watch everything you do because I do not know who you are. You are here to play at my game store. I at this at this table at the local game store, and I cannot tell you no because you are at the game store, and the store manager says I can't throw anyone out even though I want to. And this is how and this is how dull and boring. And well. And yes, you are not to lie during uh, during it. But the thing is, is that how many GMs during session zero actually know what they're going to actually run? I mean, most of the time, it's like, I'm going to run this particular module set. And my one thought is, have you thought, have you even read the entire first book yet? Do you know the first book of this five-volume set? Well... I, I flipped through it once. Then you, then, then you haven't done your homework. Then what are you doing? Well, I'm just going to play it with you guys and figure it out along the way. Well, then congratulations. You might as well be sandboxing because you're just using this as a as cri cliff notes. You're cribbing it along and you're doing your homework the night before every single night. So you have no idea how this ends. You have no idea how you're going to guide any of the players. So you're pl so if you've never read the end of a module, do you know what? builds what characters are you going to be needed to play this game you don't you have no idea you're an incompetent gm you don't know what you're doing and you're just using somebody else's notes because you're too tired to actually do anything on your own so your party could come at you and go i've created a really cool fighter i have a good cleric i have a good uh, a good blasty uh, i'm blasty caster i've got a good stabby stab i've got some guy who can shoot sticks at people Okay, cool. Is this the right party to be able to beat the module? You don't know. They don't know. You're not telling them anything because you've done no homework. And and if you're doing it as a sandbox, the GM has no idea what they're doing either. So they're like, well, where are you putting us? I'm putting you here in not, not Italy. Sorry, in not fantasy Italy. And what, what and okay, what's the storyline? I don't know yet. I'll figure it out once I have your guys' plot lines. And you just move from there. And so session zero is not just – like unless you're coming in with an ironclad, this is what I have. This is my vision. This is my – go write a book. Um, <laughs> and this is somebody who values storytelling. And so therefore, you come in as a – so you have no idea the cast you're going to be working with. You have no idea who the characters are. You have no idea what their personalities are. You might get unlucky and have, you know, Bob the Orc 
his entire thing is thunk hit good. And okay, I gotta make a story that involves that guy. Well, All wait, right. Wait, wait, wait. You, you you can have an entire cast list from Thunk Hitgood, his entire family. Yeah. The names of David Ryder and Space Mutiny as per Rift Tracks. Yes. Oh, oh God. Angus McRuckfist. Hey, Angus hey. Thrust. Big Big McLarge. <laughs> look, I have used Big McLarge huge on more than one occasion. So Thrust. <laughs> my name is Slam Meat Thrust, the Barbarian. I think my I think my best one I had was when I was playing Traveler. Slab Hardpeck? <laughs> no, no, no. It, it was Jackson Hammer. Right, but the thing is, and, and he and wait, hold on, and he was he was a marine, okay. and we wound up getting five power suits, suits, and, and oh, my no. character was the lead. So guess what it became known as? Oh no, the Jackson <laughs> Five. Oh, ow, I like it. Yes, yeah, painful, but I like it. Yes. And the thing is, is that, like I said, but you don't know any of this, so any prep you do ahead of time before you know what your players are is going to be completely worthless. So Session Zero is more just to help you as a game master know what the hell you're going to run. Okay, this is where I'm going to interject real quick. All right, go ahead. Everything you've said, I absolutely believe. Yes, you're right. What, though... I'm going to say on top of that, if okay. you run a system that has a propensity to be ran with players that have a day job in the accounting field, like okay. maybe a first edition Pathfinder or <laughs> Hackmaster fourth edition. Oh, God, yes. So say you're running this or even Role Master. Oh my god, yes. I was waiting so, for it. So I've you got can't the have... trifecta of math! Yes! As a GM, referee, or a storyteller, or game master, whatever the fuck you call yourself, you right. deserve to tell your players, listen, no. this is a game of playing, <laughs> this is session zero, and I know you fuckers have it, and they'll break out their binders, or they'll break out their phones, and they'll email you. <laughs> They're 20 level plan. This is where I see myself in five years. And they show you the feet progression, the ability score drops. They will show you every everything. Okay. God, yes. And they will do that. So for those of you that are going for rules like systems, God bless you. I wish you luck. I don't know good if luck. you're gonna have a good time or even run for more than a month and a fucking half. But if you run a chunky system, your players. <laughs> Know that system, and they probably know it better than you. So they do. Play, they do. Zero. Where do you see yourself in five years? They're gonna show you their character sheet, their character portfolio. This is me at twentieth level. These are the magic items I'm gonna be saving up for. This is what I want to play. But now, but at that point, you should ask the question of why are we like? If everybody at the table comes to you and says, "This is what we have. This is my twenty level plan." And you've already plotted out to level 20. And they all know the rules so well that they've actually read. Like, So my problem is that I have, on average, usually six to eight people that I'm trying to run for. Usually five show up in a week because of obligations. But there's a, a rotating door of about eight. And it's rare when we have all eight there. So five is a party cool you know what attrition happens 
you just deal with it. And I have, so I will get three people who go, this is my 20 level plan. And I'm like going, okay. And, and I never have, you have that 20 level plan brought out. Hey, Carol, you have this 20 level plan brought out the character sheet there on your yeah. device or it's there in the flesh. They printed it off and they've given you a copy. There's six pages of player character sheets. Yep. You have that. The other players might get a little, oh God, what am I what? stepping into? And as a GM, this is you where can't... you step in as an arbiter yep. and you tell your players, listen, you all don't have to come here prepared. You don't have to come here thinking five years ahead. What am I doing in 2026 at this table? And what character, what, what progeny does this character need to have? No, don't, don't think that far ahead. Yeah, don't, just, don't, just don't. get ready to roll your dice because we're going to start. And at that point, you you say the system, the wild books, and if they haven't started to generate their character yet, yeah, that you the, the the old the, the more uh, seasoned veteran players, if they like these people at the table that are new or not as nuanced, what's going to happen is they're going to start to help the newbies, and they'll the, and they will build their characters for them. And it's so it's frustrating to watch them do it because those new players who have no idea what they're doing will be like, "Can you help me?" And oh boy, those those um those accounting ma masters and rules lawyers go, "I could help you." And then they have, and then that poor player has no idea how to play their character because they don't know the feet combos. But if you get that one in a hundred chance where you get five people at the table who are all masters of the game engine and who have all and who have all built level one to 20 progression pre-plotted out, whenever they level, they just hit level up on their on the character sheet computer program that they've got. You know what? At that point, you just ask them, do you want to just skip playing level one to level eight because obviously you've already pre-planned your optimal setups why are we playing why are we wasting time low let's just jump straight high but the thing is that but if there's one person who doesn't know the rules you gotta walk them through the through all the steps you gotta teach them and that means you have to sometimes tell the rules lawyers hands off don't touch the newbie the newbie is special we don't abuse the newbie yeah he's the fucking new guy but you gotta train him you gotta get him up into spec you got him to speed you gotta get him trained on how to play that means he has to be walked through what is in essence going to be the tutorial, how to be like whatever class he's playing, he or she, let's be proper, he or she, who, you got to walk them through how to do all their actions, how to use their actions efficiently, how to do everything, how to pick feats, how to pick your skills, how to pick your stats, which ones are optimal, which ones are not. That means they have to do some homework. And if that player doesn't want to do homework, you know what? That's okay. You can push, but if they get at least a good comprehension and then you walk them through the levels, they become semi-proficient. Exactly. And if they die, but the thing is, if you do have that table of a bunch of mouth-breathing rules lawyers, <laughs> you are literally in the perfect Yes, if you want to touch the newbie, you can at least lick them, but only if they give permission first. And yes, 
some in-game hazing is expected. But the thing is, is that taking them by the hand, putting them on a leash and saying, you cannot do anything unless we tell you to do it, that's different. That's a bit more excessive than what I prefer at the table. Right. And and the thing is, is that I, it's like, I try to encourage my players to, you know what, there is no right or wrong. There's just an, an inopportune moment to do it. <laughs> and so they try to, so I try to teach them on how to actually play this. And the thing is, you need to make that session zero becomes at that point also trying to make sure you get to you as a you're gauging what the skill level of your players are. So you're ask, So the questions you ask are going to be mirrored and reflected by what they tell you. So if so if you come in confident, if you know the rules, or at least can fake it, I fake it well enough to you know to, to convince them that you know the rules. If you know that uh, I to answer, to answer their questions without going, I don't know. Let me com- let me consult my notebook real fast. Unless unless you're looking up the the culture of who knows where you're going. I most of the time like. If they ask a lot of stupid questions, you know, okay, I can't throw advanced combat encounter that requires advanced tactics and strategy at them. I might need to actually lower it back down to basic cold balls who put down who put down pit trap, and that might be where you have to start because you got to work them into it. Meanwhile, you have that one player in the background who goes, "I've already calculated everything out to I to, to it. I know all of my percentile chances to to hit, so I only need to need to worry about if I you know." And I'm going to succeed 70% of the time, so therefore I'm not worried about it. Let that guy just do whatever the heck he wants and focus your attention on getting the new guy up to spec <laughs> because he's going to enjoy it. Yeah, he will. Uh, yeah. House, not Laos, house. <laughs> the uh, We don't pre-order. <laughs> we will not pre-order. We do. <laughs> it's an old shirt. I'm sorry. I wore it to work today. So... I'm sorry I ran on a huge rant there. I'm so sorry. <laughs> You're, fine. You're fine. I just threw the uh, the link out into the Legion of Myth Discord and oh, no. I put it in the Gatekeepers Discord too because I know there might be people that want to talk about this. Might be. Don't know. Hey, who knows? Yeah, exactly. Ah, no, no, no. Hang that up. There we go. <laughs> You guys still hear me? <laughs> what? Boomer. Boomer. What? I just boomered. Okay. What? Okay. Uh-huh. Boomer. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. Boomer. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, the topic was supposed to be session zero, but it's just, re- it's just, I- I'm a lord of tangents, so therefore. I'm just going to share my screen for just a moment here. Yeah. So am I. Oh, God, no. No, I, I, I don't want to have to deal with whoever this person really is. So, so, this is, this is, I, I did some, actually did some research with this. So, oh, this oh, is research. actually one, one that I came across. It's in Reddit. Uh, some of these are actually kind of funny. A lot of it is what we've already went over, which is like experience, leveling up, milestones, stuff like that. What's to be expected, etc. Then player behavior, uh, game behavior, and DM uh, ex- ex- uh, expectations. 
I find it funny that the top two are alcohol and narcotics. Oof. <laughs> uh, Cal, the man that's uh, on top there, Kai, that's Blaine. Yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. Right. I haven't so, even... I so go ahead. Uh, uh, then, of course, it goes into, you know, cell phones, whatever, uh, digital devices that uh, they wish to uh, have at the table, consequences. Uh, basically, something I do is I tell them that, uh, you know, I will essentially, uh, you know, if if you're doing stuff that's not game related on your laptop, you're getting docked XP. Right. Up to half of the total XP earned for the night. Because I mean, it it, it, it there has to be consequences for it. Uh, so I mean, in everybody's different on that. I've actually seen some DMs who said if you're caught. You know, if they catch you on Facebook, etc., you get no XP for the night. Ooh, ouch. That, that's yeah. kind of rough, but man, I would prefer to have everybody's attention. Exactly. And it goes actually goes into next thing is player attention. You now, what happens if the player is constantly distracted? If they're delaying a game, not paying attention. I mean, how many times have you know we've got you've got the initiative order set and then all of a sudden comes around and then there's oh well uh let's see what 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 am i gonna do and they spend 10 minutes trying to figure out what they're gonna do pretty much that's and you know, and you know you know and consequences for that I, I think really the cell phone digital devices are the biggest distractions uh at the table yeah but i I used to think that they were huge distractions, but there's a certain point now where I've realized that there's this, there's just too many people who have gone pure digital anymore that they're a necessary evil that you're going to yeah. you're going to have to police it. You, you, well, you just can't help and, it. And that's when I what I said back when it, when I went over the digital phones and stuff. If you're doing stuff that's not game related, so if you're on Facebook. Right. Unless you've got unless you've got a group chat with everybody and you you're having your own conversation with everybody at the table about tactics and you don't want the GM to hear it, I've seen that before. Um, I have several of those actually. I, each of my games actually has a a dedicated chat room just for that purpose, so that way mm -hmm. players can players can converse and and you know pass notes throughout the week or more often than not, secretly conspire amongst themselves away from my attention in a private chat room, then go, we got a plan now, and here's me, oh, thank God, you actually have a plan. I'm so happy for you. And, <laughs> and then it goes into disruptive topics. So, you know, real-life topics like religion, politics, porn, or sex. Oh, yeah. okay at your table? I mean, you know, the off-comment uh, uh, about, you know, depending on the group that you're playing with, if it's a group you've been playing with and you guys can joke around about certain things. Usually my biggest thing is religions and politics is, is a no go. Yeah. Yeah. Leave, you know, leave your religion and your politics. Cause I don't want anybody butt hurt because so-and-so thinks so-and-so they don't like. 
because right. they think this way. I mean, it, and it's something that doesn't matter. And right. That, that's it, and that's the biggest the table. Say again. If it's not pertaining to the table, let's exactly. Let's minimize that. And I, I'm guilty. I'm guilty of the religion and politics third rail at the table a lot. My bad. And you know what? We all have our views. We and you yeah. can't. It's it's very hard to put those up on a shelf. But there's a certain point where where the only politics I want to talk about is the politics that's happening in game. So. Yeah, exactly. I so, want to know what's the the guild what's the guild doing right now, or what's the uh, the price of of rice as we go into fall? What's what's going on with the local economy, and how does that pertain to the people? Right. At the table. How does that intersect with their lives? Or, or how is the I what's the I what's the current religious ceremony that that's being set up? Like what holiday is approaching for us yeah. religiously? How is that going to offend the celestial bureaucracy? And yes, yeah, I do exactly. have a celestial bureaucracy yeah. going. In game, that's one thing, but uh, what, what this is but, talking about is more yeah, of the real life stuff. Yeah, but you yeah, know, and, bring that and, in. and it, it even comes to, and, and it even comes to you know to the point of you know even you know sexual orientation is in this too. You know, yeah. the my my biggest thing is is that when when I'm looking at, at well, especially like special sexual orientation, somebody being you know gay, straight, bi, trans, whatever, you know, if that is only a small piece of what makes up that person, right? Um, unless that's and, going to be like, sorry. Sorry, it, you know, and, and if that's going to be a deal breaker for somebody at the table, then they're not looking at it the correct way. Because we should be looking at it as we are all gaming together for one purpose. Yeah. You know, you leave all the you know, all of, you know. It's kind of like what you know, like when I'm at work. You know, I got agents who I coach, and they say, "Oh, well, you know, I've got this going on, and I got this going home." I said, leave that shit at the door. Just drop it off at the door. When you sit down at your computer, this is this is what what you need to be focused on. And it's the same thing with it's the same thing with the game. It's easier to get these people to focus on a game when you have more frequent games, like once a mm -hmm. week. If you're only doing it like me once every three weeks or once a month, it's kind of hard. You could, you need to oh, let your players decompress for thirty minutes. And oh let yeah, them talk to each other. Before the game, and then about after thirty minutes, let it be like, listen, we we're here for the game, and I know you guys want to talk. Listen, we will talk plenty, but I want to do six or four, eight hours or whatever the right the typical game length is. And that's another thing with session zero. You want to discuss how long are we going to be sitting at these tables in game? Yep. Uh, yep. It, it's. Uh, it's something that you you want to give that because sometimes people they have these priorities outside of the table i don't get it but they have priorities and they have to do things like family or my goldfish or or something and it's like uh yeah well, i guess we should have scheduled breaks go ahead and get a zoom call to the wife and kids and let them know you're still doing pretty good and you'll be home probably tomorrow morning about midnight <laughs> don't don't do that as a dm you're gonna have an empty table my my true story. Don't do that. Yeah. But but let people like have breaks during game about once every 
hour and a half, two hours, so you can get up and stretch your legs. Yeah. Or even if you're, or even if you're doing, you know, if you're, you're running the game, you're transitioning from one spot to another. Uh, usually, what what I do is definitely before a big fight, I'll tell everybody, okay, this is where we're pausing the game. Everybody, go ahead and take a quick five ten minute break, get a drink, you know, smoke smoke cigarette if you need to, you know, everything else. So, uh, it's you know that way. Everybody can get their their stuff done and, and whatnot. So you know, then they can come back to the table and you know be able to figure out uh, you know what what we're going to be doing in this upcoming battle. Yep. Plus that also plus that also gives the DM a chance if he needs to go to the restroom, go to the restroom, uh, come back, set up the table if they're you know union miniatures, everything else. Shad's are leave your baggage at the door when you come to my game. That includes your pets, your kids, your genders, your wheelchairs, all of that. It, it it stays at the oh, door. Oh no. Combat wheelchairs are totally in, man. It's the new fad. And uh Shauner says the OGGM's adventures wrote a safe space session session zero thingy for drive through and I plan to tear it apart. Shauner, when you dissect <laughs> that I, I would like to see that. I would I would enjoy that. I I want to see what your critique is and I know you're oh definitely the hell out of me on one of my game streams. I get it. I, I expect it fully. I put it out there and that's fine. I'm, what is I, my I, garbage I, session zero handout that I actually wrote years ago? <laughs> um, oh while you look for that, let me go ahead and go unannounced dice unannounced dice rolls. This is one of is, my biggest pet peeves. Is, is this is this uh Garrett is this OGGM's session zero piece? No this is this is one from uh, uh, r slash d and d next okay this is I think this is like five years old, but I found it and I was like, wow, this is like the most comprehensive one I found so uh, and everything so uh, you know basically, oh, I rolled a net 20 in a perception check. No, you didn't. <laughs> oh, so you see you see you see snow and penguins. As you're traveling in the mountains. You know, the thing is, is that whenever I have a player who gives me a unannounced dice roll like that, I always just get like, just give them straight, give them red herrings, give them things that they can like look at wrong. Give them false, oh, yeah. false returns. I mean, to the point where it makes them paranoid. It's fun watching that character who's now chasing at their snipes and, um, and jackal uh, and jackalopes because well, they're Excellent. looking for that shit. I am looking for all, you know, like, man, I believe they're all out there. All the UFOs exist because I'm looking for them. Nobody else is. Nobody else sees it. Nobody else will ever care. And then they go, turn right, turn right. See, it's right there. It's right there. It's right there. And then they go chasing after it. And, well, they don't find anything because nobody else sees it. And Or, or I also love the players who go, I, who I'm like, okay, so-and-so. Roll for I I roll for your uh, I roll the skill check and then I hear four other dice at the table and I'm like no I didn't say everybody else but okay and then I start just give you know start really playing into their fears or playing into their paranoia and then making them run off in directions I don't want them you know I, that I didn't want them to be in but hey if they're all gonna play we're all psychically linked hive mind go ahead. 
well, I, I will tear you in. I will tear you in five directions. But the thing is, is that you write. You should tell them, please don't roll. But you also know that your players have the attention span of, of ferrets, so they're going to do it anyway. And just plan for the fact that, that your players are actually idiots, and it's okay. <laughs> now this one I like. Dice roll against one another. Are dice rolls allows for in-character arguments? Can the bard PC roll the persuade roll to persuade the fighter PC that his course of action is right? I love this. I for the simple fact of they have their they have those stats. Yeah. They should be able to use them against one another. Because I mean, you know, especially you know, most bards are chaotic neutral. True, I think the so only they're all in it for themselves. All right, I think the only caveat I would have for that is, again, this would come down to knowing your players. As in, if your players are cool and they can run and they can play, you know, that well without being offended perfect but if you know there's a player who gets offended wow. by somebody else telling him how he has to play you might want to curtail that just a little bit but if you got people who are all up for you know who are capable of having you know a strong opinion and then knowing that that one dice roll could change that opinion completely yeah go right ahead go full tilt that's almost like the bread and butter of what makes you know a storyteller game function and but most people are not used to playing more I uh, more dramatic, more intrigue focused games where you know opinion can be changed like that, because you know. But the thing is, is that but if you have one player who is using that as a cudgel, as a cudgel to just beat the rest of the party into line, because well, you don't know. Like, see, I'm lying to you. I'm lying to you. I'm lying to you. Everyone else will get frustrated with that one player who's browbeating. So you got to be well, able to walk a fine I, line. I, for me, it, for me is the only time I use it. I don't use it all the time. Yeah. But if if they give me a good enough argument at the table, yes, roll it. Roll oh, God, it. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see what the dice say. I'm yeah. not saying that it's you know a you know it's going to be everything we do. Oh yeah. If, but I will play it as if you give me a convincing argument, and you have the role to back up that argument. Mm -hmm. Go for it. Now oh, I yeah. have seen. Now I have seen where they have a convincing argument. They roll that dice and they roll a natural one. So they got a oh total my god, of five. yes. And then it's like, oh well, that that's good, but we're still doing this way. You know, it's just like, oh. you know, yeah. It, 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 and, and it's the live by the dice, die by the dice type thing, right? Uh, PvP, I think that pretty much is self-explanatory. Most DMs, I don't think, do PvP. I've, uh, there are exceptions to that. See, the thing here is, is that I, I have a my my way of handling PvP is simply this: where I normally have the you don't unless it's come to a point where there is no logical conclusion besides a fight, where. Yeah. So it's it's not one of these things where like where I will I will just say no immediately to I stab this guy in the back. I, I was like I stab Bob in the back. Well, for what reason? 
because no, no. But if there's been like multiple sessions where where the two characters have been butting heads and the, and ideologically the two have just reached a point where there is no way of going forward without the party fracturing and collapsing without if these two continue to exist that's when i i that's why I, and that's the point where i go go ahead murder each other and then i will go out of my way to set up a good encounter set up a battle that's going to happen and let the fight actually go i work and i definitely do not allow it to be I stab I stab the guy when he's not looking and he falls over dead because I have you know I rigged the entire world up to kill him and that's cool but you got but at that point I'm no longer I don't have and I have to remind people you always have to leave a chance for the play like much like a, much like the GM advice of you don't build a trap that the players can't escape there always has to be a way out of every trap out of every situation. That if the players are smart, they can escape. But if so, therefore, when the player, when two players are fighting, or one player setting up an ambush, they are actually setting up an encounter like a GM. So you have to remind them of, you have to leave an opening, a chance for the other player to have fun, to actually make this encounter an encounter. So you need, you can't create a vice-like grip where there's no way to succeed. I know there's no there's no way to escape. It's 100% success. You can't stack the deck that much because that's unfair. And your fellow player deserves to have a fair encounter. And so by, by, by putting that strict a, a, a law in place, my players have actually been decent at finding solutions without having to resort to pvp though it is ha it has happened because some players just are not motivated by anything short of raw violence and if you're not you and if violence isn't working you're not using enough as some people might say but this is simply the truth of but when that moment happens you gotta like make sure that it's clear this is there is no escape from this guys you're literally killing each other uh, and I don't think one of you is going to bring the other one back. And they're like, oh, yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'm out of the way now. Go ahead. I'm just here to arbitrate, you know, who dies when. And that's when the fight happens. And it may be, it may be rigged. It may be stacked. But you got to make sure that both players realize that this, that you guys all had a hundred chances to, to back away from this moment. It's happening. Do not make this worth it. I do not make this more meaningless at the, than it already is and when you're dead don't hold a grudge okay and usually that works usually <laughs> well see with with one group that we were in we actually had a a a contract that the that the players the, the player characters all signed okay. off on one of them was uh actually happened it actually was enacted on one of my characters because he was taken over by a sword yeah it was called the bunny claws 
Okay. The 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 main <laughs> Bruce laughs because he knows he remembers this and laughed. Yes, was he laughed about table. that way too. That was at your table. Uh, basically, the bunny claws. If if you are under any type of mind control, mind affecting anything else like that, the wizard uh, had the okay to cast uh, polymorph and polymorph you into a bunny, and it was called the bunny claws. Okay. And it was it was it was to save the now if the wizard God help us if that ever happened, I believe the rogue had a wand or or a rod or something that he could do it onto the uh uh onto the wizard. And it was <laughs> it, it was it, it was it was literally and you know we you're thinking about it after the fact, we were literally put in our own kind of, you know, if you want to think like DC universe, our own injustice protocol. If someone goes rogue, we've got it fixed. Right. And I I won't stop somebody from doing that, but it's just, I've had one of my early groups. We had a, a nasty habit of just killing each other. It was just, it's the problem when you play, when you game with, People who are part of the same family, they don't know how to leave that I'm going to go stab my cousin and my brother in the back attitude out of things. So the rest of us are all going, well, we're all here to have some fun. Meanwhile, in the background, the two brothers and the two cousins are in the middle of turning each other into hamburger meat every other session. And we're just like, okay, I guess this is what we're going to happen, which is the whole reason why we put in the rule of you need an in-character justification why you're doing it, and it can't just simply be because he's the leader and he keeps telling me no to all my dumb ideas. (laughs) All right. And truthfully, we've already kind of went over the PC secrets and the player expectation goals and diversity uh, before. Uh, Player discomfort. Occasionally things come up in the game that make the players uncomfortable. Uh, It's better to have... It, I, I will say that if you're going to run with adult things, um, let the players know about this right away. Yeah. yeah. I Listen, this is an adult table. We, we have adult topics here. Some of them may be uncomfortable for people. Uh, you people, some people are very sensitive and get PTSD on things really quick. Yep. This might not be the table for you. Mm-hmm. Oh, where's Heathen Dog? Where we need when we need him? Oh. Uh, they're, they're playing. Uh, what is that? City of Villains right now. Oh no no no! But look, look at the look, look at the next player thing. Agency. Player agency. <laughs> oh, my favorite. <laughs> Truthfully, I think anybody who's been around any of our discussions before know exactly how we. Yeah. Handle player you know, agency. Yeah. Handle player agency. So yeah, uh, game balance and fairness. You know, uh, as a DM, are you feeling about balance of your game you're playing? How will you handle DM the DM handle encounter balance? Will you occasionally be thrown into deadly encounters? That will you? Uh, okay, can I can't read. Reading is hard. Constantly be throwing only deadly encounters at the PCs. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Well, yeah, uh, perhaps you fill this kind of a sandbox campaign. Players can stumble into ancient red dragon lair at level one. Duh. They well, can should, run. There should always be that point yeah. where the warning sign should be there. When you're heading towards somewhere and it says danger minefield, you should stop. There's probably a minefield there. If you hey, go Bruce, place, that, does, does that work? <laughs> the danger minefield? <laughs> uh, the, minefields do work. You can have a half TPK uh, <laughs> replaced minefield. I will say that. <laughs> yeah, you have okay. a mine go off and it'll probably take out the legs of somebody and they'll have to have a purse on each side of them. So you're going to have the dungeon be a lot more crawly than what it was beforehand. Oh, yeah. And the thing <laughs> is, is that it's like, you should have like so many warning signs before your players go out there and and like so you're about to go punch you know say someone major in the face. Well, the, the, there should be guards, equipment, things that says, "Hey, look, you're all wearing dirt ra I mean, dirt rags and and ratty old pitted equipment." And for some players, that might be the persona they're casting is, yeah, I'm using dirt because I plan on throwing it in a dumpster. I'm actually pretty good. But usually, like, that level one, level two party, that's, that that spunky little group of idiots who go out there and go, yeah, we're ready to take on the world wearing some salvaged leather armor and some and a sword I pulled off a goblin because it's better than the sword I had. Yeah. And then suddenly, like, I'm going to go punch the guy who's got a who's wearing pristine, very well-detailed armor plate and a sword bigger than me. Or, I'm going to go into that cave. There's a pile of bones that lead out for a half mile before you reach it. As you're stepping over it, you see acid-pitted uh, acid armor and weapons scattered about. It's all ruined. Do you keep walking the road of bones? Yes. Yes. Why? Every indication is saying you're going to die here. In fact, as you get closer, you can smell the the stench of acid coming rolling out of the cave. You can see claw marks in the stone. Do you keep on going? And the party, well, we're level three. Yes. Um. Yeah, they're level three. <laughs> this is a bad idea. We uh, back up to that player discomfort thing real quick. As yes. A DM, I, I'll, I'll just say this: like my job sucks, and my my. My real life job that I earn money for is not the most wonderful job, and uh, I only yeah it is. I I can't really go into detail about the details of that job with somebody that <laughs> has a very low threshold of uh, intolerance for that sort of thing. Like there are some people that if you start to describe certain smells, they're gonna get that look on their face like they're they just ate a canary and are gonna throw up on you. Yes. So you really have to be careful with mm -hmm. how you phrase. And I mean, I hate to tell you as a DM, you're walking on eggshells. But hey, you're walking on eggshells, at least for the first couple sessions, until your players are part of your, your table and they yeah. feel like they're at home. Yeah, sorry. Most people don't have access to what would be one of those, like a big giant chart saying, hey, what things are you comfortable with and then you have like 800 options and then it's like uh because then you get some really weird combinations and so it does take some time but at, like i said but if you know your players and you know if you got a bunch of sadistic sadistic and weird to use more cleaner terms yes weird individuals you know you can go you can go further but the thing is like i said but if you 
I had the problem where I got to put a PG-13 filter and everything due to the fact that I had to deal with, during the week, deal with kids. But come the weekend, my weekend game is far more gruesome, adult, gory. and But even then, I had to realize, okay, this guy over here, he can't handle certain things. This guy over here, he can't hurt, handle certain things. She can't handle certain things. He can't handle certain things. But they're not all the same thing. But they know they can all handle ultraviolence. Yeah, for some okay. reason, American audiences really like the violence and blood splurts and they oh, want to yeah. decapitations and ripping out somebody's guts and doing an augury on it. But, it, it, but it, it's weird because you can discuss anatomical anatomically disgusting scenes. Yep. But you can't discuss how the slimy texture is feeling between your fingers as you reach through the bits of the dead beholder and all of a sudden it starts to deflate as it fills the cavern with scat at the back end. Right. Or, you, or you have a situation where like you're, you've killed a serial murderer and he actually had a captive in his above ground warehouse in downtown yep. Paris. And when you find that you really can't describe the level of debauchery he had with her while she's still alive because some of your players in your game they might not have ever had a bad situation happen to them or they might have but they can't tolerate the thought of that and if they are of a certain mindset they're going to use this scene as a point of bitching about how your games are about misogyny he's an incel don't do or, that don't go or you might have the or you might have that moment of a player who gets a little too in-depth into, say, torture, just to yeah. put it out blatantly. And at that point, I'm like, look, guys, most of us have read the Maquis de Sade, so most of us know how gruesome this we could get. But let's not. Let's just say we're – Let's just if you're going to go that far, let's just say torture and then move on. Because a lot of us watch Grindhouse flicks in the 70s. From the 70s. A lot of us have seen gruesome horror movies from the 80s. We know what's going to happen. Yeah. Some of us have actually seen some rather gruesome shit, and we don't want to go through that again. Yeah, like so, I had a I had a player at the table that was ex Coast Guard, and yeah. he was witness to piracy in the Caribbean. And so that was something he didn't when when we started talking about it, he would he said, Do you need to talk about this? And said I need to at least list what's going on. And he's like, okay, I'm okay with that. But you couldn't RP with that. And we're yeah. one of the other players at the table. And this was my bad because as a GM, you're supposed to police your table a little bit. One of the other players, when they were out smoking, started talking about how he wanted to do stuff to the NPCs in the game because he just wanted to see the Coast Guard guy react oh and that is one of the things you gotta you got to put a foot down on that stuff yeah. oh yeah. Like, yeah you can't you can't allow that because it's like as much fun as it might be to indulge you can't have a player walking away going oh i don't want to come back because that because you made me uncomfortable yeah exactly. and, and i've and had and i've had that. far too many like i've had far too many sessions where where 
not due to like actions of my own, but actions of other people at the table where I've had to take people out on pretty much three to five hour drives out into the countryside where I'm sitting there the one, you know, they're in the passenger seat and I'm going, look, we're not going back to my place until I'm not, I'm not taking you home until we work out the problem. And I've gotten, but because of my attitude towards, I want to know what caused you to have this moment. So we're going to work through this. Because of this, I've had a bit more exposure to psychological problems than I've wanted to deal with, but it's part of, but I took on that task, that job. So I took on that by being the person that they can open up to, but that allowed me to take their, their hurt, their, their problems and go, Hey, um, someone's player number two, stop that. Why? You don't want to know. Okay. You just don't want to know. And most of my players are respectful enough to go fair enough. And, but the thing is, unless you want to lose a player and since players in real life are hard to get, even when you have a waiting list, if you don't try to actively save your players and pull them and keep them at your table, you will lose that player and then they will go and say bad things about you and you will lose your waiting list of people who want to join your, I join your table because you will get a bad reputation as a storyteller, as a group, as a, as people to spend time with. And these are my friends. I don't want them leaving in a bad state. So it is coming down to you need to set, set boundaries, and that's important. Session zero, set your boundaries, enforce them, but realize that if you set boundaries, you have to work hard to maintain those boundaries. You need to work hard to maintain the respect that they're going to give to you and that you're going to use, uh, use for them. You have to show that that if they're going to that your rules are worth their time on following, and that you respect their time on their, that, they, that they are going to give to you. It's a two way street, and it's not just simply I'm God. I said so. Do what I say. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, I don't mean I, I leave you bare. I, I, I'm bored, Garrett. So <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. In here. Um, you have to you have to keep harmony at your table and you're not going to be able to to control the actions of your players especially what they say when the game's not going on being on social media or in a group chat or whatever you, you you're not going to you're not going to be able to control your players just just accept that but you can tell them like what your agenda is what your intentions are with the game how you and how you expect them to behave towards each other should be at the very worst as a professional. You might have to work with each other. You don't have to like each other. Oh. And you're probably not going to keep a table that has animosity between the players. You're not going to have that. You're going to have you're going to have that for about maybe 8 sessions. And once somebody gets a good, you know, jab in at somebody, okay, I, I got what I wanted done. Yeah, we're all six leveled. I was enjoying the game, but Tommy's in it, and I don't like Tommy. And they leave. Yeah. You're going to have a small revolving door of players if you run a really good game. But you want to have a, uh, a, a group of people that really enjoy the game 
And it's nice to have a waiting list for your table, but that's not always necessary because no. you would rather prefer to just keep the ones you want to keep your arms wrapped around the players that are there, that are there every week, that are dedicated to the game. And you're never going to have a table that lasts for maybe 20 years. No. You might have different players go in and out of that table, and that's what I'm referring to. You might run the same game in 20 years, but you're not going to have the same people because people move. Or they have oh, my God, changes. no. You'll, you'll have a new semester pop up. Yeah, Blaine is over there as, as honest. He, he's, he's like, dude, you can't – you cannot – Plan on this shit. Oh no, I've the people who I started running with are not the people who I'm running for now. I think I've had one player who I had two players stick it out for 14 years, but then life took them away. I've had some players who left and have come back, but I've had a lot. But I've had a cavalcade of of personalities and people who've come through. Stayed, you know, stayed for four years till they got their, you know, their college degrees. Some people stayed for eight years and then, you know, got got their, you know, got their master's degrees and then they went off to go do their lives. Like, it's like the world. I mean, for me, the world. I mean, the world is more important. Like, the world will just keep on going. You're just part of it. You're just putting your stamp on it. But the thing is, is that because of the fact that you will never have one person who's been at your table for twenty years. 25 years if you have that group if you have a player group that you can say you have two people three people who have been at your table for 25 years i would say you might need some fresh blood but congratulations for making it that long for having friends who stuck it out that long and i've got brooke and chris that are celebrating their fifth year with me and we're in multiple campaigns together. That's fantastic. So that 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 that's that's something I think if you like the table, if you like the game, that's kind of what you want to shoot for is where you're having stupid anniversaries like that. Which yeah. is, is nice, you know. I wasn't expecting it. I was not expecting it. I and and with the table that I just like last year dissolved because COVID, um, we had played together for four years total and when that broke up i hurt from that i i was not happy with that at all but i had no control over it that's COVID something happened. you have to deal with as a gm you, you say goodbye to people all the time but you uh you you have you have situations will pop up and you just have no control over it you have to say goodbye to players and so if you can hold on to players you know that's great but it's, it, it it is okay to lose them because if most of the time they will stay in contact with you or even come back to your table, like what you just described. Now, I want to address uh, Sh- Shadzar's little comment of why the hell would someone who's been playing at the same group for 25 years need anyone new? Just <laughs> for, just only for a new take on things, just for a new perspective. Because a lot of times when you see a group who's been very, they're set in their ways and that. They only think of this is the solution that works. And you know what? It's worked for a quarter century. Keep going. But for some people, having adding that one new person who comes in and goes, but why are you doing it this way? Maybe you could try going left instead of right or <laughs> do something different. And that could actually breathe a little bit of fresh air into the story, into the game, into your play style. 
and that could suddenly spark new interest in old players. I've had the fun of watching old players who've been playing forever get introduced to who thought this is how my group works. This is how my, all my other groups have worked. And then you put a new player into the mix and they come in with this new, you know, a new perspective, a new attitude. And it comes with this fun point where suddenly the guy who is so sure that this was the only way his character would work suddenly goes, wait a moment, I need to do something different. And suddenly he's reacting in a new way. And now he's out of the, out of his rut. And suddenly he goes, you know, that I, that 20, that, that 20 level build I gave you at the beginning of the campaign, I might need to modify my plan that suddenly they're suddenly their preconception is now a little different and people bring that to it. And it's actually kind of fun watching old timers react to new players and watch the new, they watch the old players try to grab the new players by the collar and say, stop running everywhere. And then they're like, no. And then inevitably they pull, push and pull each other. It brings a new interaction, which from what was probably unless you have some players who are just able to play off each other really well. But I don't know your group dynamics. I just know I like injecting fresh ideas and fresh blood into my, into my game to shake up my take on things and to shake up other players' takes on things. So it's always about trying to make things constantly evolve, constantly change, constantly test old perceptions and, and preconceptions so that way they're forced to think of a new way of going at a problem. And even if it's an old problem, two, two people will not see the same, the, answer, the same answer to the same problem unless they're reaching from the, from, from the same, same cliff notes. And two players don't ever have the same answers to anything, and you should be encouraging that. Or at least that's how I look at it. I attack it. I attack it. He's casting magic missile in darkness. Yeah. <laughs> I can see where this would be a problem fast. Yeah. Wow. No, I'm not from the 70s. I'm just mostly from the mid I in the mid the early to mid 90s. So, but newsflash, that was almost 30 years ago. Why are you going to start cussing at people? <laughs> Jeez, we're trying to have a wholesome show here, and, and you're sitting here cussing at people, calling them old. What the hell? It's not like I had a birthday yesterday. yesterday. I'm so sorry. I hope it was fun. Yeah, it was all right. Good. Thank you. Um, this is uh, is this is this important? What I had here? Hold on. Let me. Let me I give up. Is it? Probably not. Uh, share screen, share screen. All right, share, share screen. There we go. All right, add the stream. Up, oh, off to infinity. <laughs> this is this is me after about um, every session zero. My yes. Support bar cart. Yes. Yeah. So true. So, so with uh, you, you've got your your comfortable topics. You got your uncomfortable topics. 
you want to have everybody agree on the system. You want to have people understand what direction your game is going. Uh, I just discovered that Pathfinder's first edition had a final release called Legends of the Chronicle, which is kind of a, a capstone send-off for the, the edition that it was. And it's really weird that I just now discovered this because I'm a first edition uh, collector, but they have all the different classes have a different 20th level capstone ability. And usually, Paizo, when Paizo screws up on something, they usually don't retract it too well. They, they said to us the ACG would be beta tested and then they would fix the, the <laughs> items in beta test and they put it out then. But the beta test and the, the hardcover book were the exact same file. Uh, no, they, they had a couple of changes, but they were very, very few and far between. Few. The only thing they really retracted was the, the summoner. And, so, the, and the cleric. Yeah, well, the cleric in Legends of the Chronicle has four or six different capstone abilities that you as a player should probably look at. Okay. Because but I don't play I don't play clerics anymore. Oh, that's terrible. I uh, I'm I, burned I, out, man. We uh, have a support group on Wednesdays. It involves drinking <laughs> and complaining about tanks. Yeah, and <laughs> fighters. Um, I, I've got to say that Legends of the Chronicle will be the last Pathfinder product I buy, but it looks like it's probably the best product they've made. Because it actually went back in the classes that are detailed with Pathfinder First Edition, they really do their best to give all of the character classes something to strive for, which as a GM, you automatically want to do, but it's very rare where a company will give you a character build and they say, here's some options for you. We don't know what you want. And they do that with mages, with wizard, with cleric, fighter. They give you so many different options in that book. I'm going to be having to buy this because it's it, it's that fucking good. It, it, I've got to have the hardcover. I must. And it is, it is one of those things that I think if you're going to run Pathfinder or any version of third edition, look at it. Um, and the reason why I say that, it's during our session zero stream, and for those people that play Pathfinder, it is a game system where it does reward players that plan ahead. Now, you can't anticipate everything, and so you might have a, a, a five-year plan or a 20-level plan, and things might happen to where that build will not be sufficient for your needs at the table. A lot of Pathfinder First Edition, are uh, those, those players are also society players about 60% of the time. They play society games or they play society adventures with their DM. And those typically are a little harder than the regular adventures they put out. And they definitely don't go nearly as high as the regular adventure paths, but they throw all the challenge at you that you would, you should expect for an end of the campaign event. I'm saying this because you want to be able to put it on the table to your players, these are the options I'm offering you. All of these, and give them the options. Give them the options for their various classes. 
for their character goals. Like somebody might roll up in, in the character creation that their father was murdered and they want to find the murderer of their father. You could make that be in a fifth level occurrence or a tenth level occurrence or something that happens at the end of the campaign at 18th or 19th or 20th level. Yeah. And you could have that. And you could just have an amazing time with this campaign. But as a GM, you do want to plan this. You don't want to be that guy that reads the adventure module the night before the adventure. Yes. You don't want to do that. You no. Want, you, you, want, you want to really get in the weeds and know why the characters would be at these events. Why would they be digging up these informations? Why would they have all these capacities and be where they're at? Because the last thing you want to do is just have a moment where your brain farts in the middle of the game and you're thinking, what am I doing here? What, what were we doing, guys? You don't want to be that character. You don't want to be that GM where you look at your table and you're like, what the fuck are you guys doing? I just I just had a brain fart. I was looking at porn on my computer. I yeah, you don't want to be that. And I you laugh. Oh, but no. I watch streams where this shit happens. Oh no, I I know because I've sat through these moments. So or I've had a moment where I'm just like, I have a great story, and then my brain just goes, I'm sorry, I'm done. I, I I'm done for the day yeah. for the day. So, and I'm like, okay, everybody. Go take a half hour to go get a drink, get some food, and let my brain reboot because I just had a blue screen of death. Yeah. And I'm useless <laughs> for the next 30 minutes. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Yeah. I, 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 I Did our GM just crash? Are, are you okay? GM, GM.exe <laughs> has yeah. suffered a fatal and critical error. You want to go into your campaign day? Your, your, your session zero with, with an idea of where you're going to steer the players. And when you start running the game, you really want to have notes. Just, just If nothing else, there's three bullet points. Just three bullet points as to where you're going to go with this game and let the players decide how things go from there because you don't want to have a choo-choo train going. You want to let them have the illusion they're taking at places. Right. I've had Colonel Faults. I understand that. <laughs> I was back, and that happened more often back when I still drank a lot, but I don't anymore. And now that I've cleaned that part up, crashes are a lot, happened, are a lot, a lot less frequently. They're, but they're harder now. Oh yeah, they're much harder. But I can no longer play. <laughs> but I can no longer blame it on on you know bourbon anymore as the why. I, I why the crash happened. So I, I know I know chat's talking about Traveler now. I think one of my favorite rules or favorite tables for Traveler is actually the Scouts Brew table. Ooh. Where, where you, you get drunk and then random shit happens. Then you wake up and find try to have to fight figure out what happened. Oh, God. Yes. You know, I've had two characters die in character creation for Traveler. Mm -hmm. They're always so good when they do. Because you're pushing the luck and you're trying to see what I could get away with, and then you don't. And it's great. 
my character was one I was one year one term away from retirement and then he got hit with I hit in the head with a ship. It's great. <laughs> hit in the head with a ship? What? You just died in character creation. You just got to come up with a funny reason like so why did my guy die? I don't know. Find something write down a good reason and then it's like I got hit in the head with a spaceship. How? Don't ask. It happened. I landing Landing gear malfunction while I was working on it. What? Ow! <laughs> we can have an entire two-hour session where we just try to create characters in Traveler who ends up with the most deaths and injuries. Sorry. That is a bad that idea. That's a bad idea, but that's an idea. Um, Look, I would love to see... I would love to see... Um, a return to form for old traveler because the mega traveler rules i i've heard it from numerous people i've read most of the mega traveler book and it looked kind of funky it didn't have that same flow as the original traveler did and uh it it i think they made some edits later but it just never seemed to gel everybody i know that has a mega traveler book or box on their shelf Place Traveler instead. So it, it, it makes me happy that people are talking about Traveler right now. Although, um, yeah, Shadzar takes me on to the next note I have here for character death. And what can we expect? Uh, you should probably expect characters. Oh, thanks, Shadzar. Uh, you, you should probably expect somebody in your group is going to die. Uh, oh yeah, their their hero is is going to be in you know dangerous situations, and you might want to break that to your players. Like, hey, um, this this is more far more grim dark or uh, you know far more Warhammer fantasy game than it is regular fourth ed or fifth edition D anD D, and let them let them have mm -hmm. that. Knowledge. But as a GM, should you ever go easy on them? Uh, as somebody that just had a half TPK happen, I gave them the option to go forth and uh, have certain death, or they had an option to abide by the NPC's rules that he said. And most of the party was willing to go away. The paladin, however, said, well, while we're here, let's just do this. And so half the party was willing to die and they died. And the problem that I'm having right now is that the player that lost the sorcerer is him hawing about what type of character to play next. He's just not feeling it. And that's something that you might want to be aware about. Uh, sometimes you're going to have a player that just, they get attached to a character. And for mm -hmm. about two or three sessions, they're kind of out of sorts as they're trying to figure out how do I play this game? I'm not at the same power level as the other players at the table. I, I don't want to be a wuss. You know, and they, they have this internal monologue going on, so you might have to repeat like what Blaine did earlier where he took somebody on a three, four, five-hour car uh, car trip and be like, let's discuss what's going on in that head of yours. And that's really never a bad thing. In, in fact, I recommend if, if you've got that good of a friendship with your players, you probably do want to have that at some point with them because – you're going to have them go through things in their life or you're going to have things in your life pop up. And just having a friend to where you can spend four or five hours 
on the asphalt rolling through the miles, that's going to help get you back to where you can get going again. And it's going to do the same thing for them. It's going to provide them a way to have an emotional anchor to where they know if things get kind of rough, I have this option to voice my criticisms or my my thoughts on these disturbing things that are going on. And they won't explode those items at the table at the other players, which is much preferable to having somebody have an emotional outburst that none of the other players deserved. And you might not deserve it either. But, you, but the thing is, is that if, if you care about your friends and your group in the game, you'll you'll do that. I used to have a like I said, my apartment's dry right now, which sucks, but I I used to have like a bottle which was only there for helping my I helping players work through anger issues on something went wrong, let's work through this I uh, through this problem and we would polish off a bottle until we're all fucking drunk passed out. And usually about a quarter of the way through we're both sloshed enough to be able to go. So what's really the fucking problem here? And then they go, well, whatever, Un unload whatever it is. And then they realize, oh, wait, I'm not. Maybe I was an asshole. Maybe I shouldn't have d said X, <laughs> Y, and Z to my fellow players. And I'm like, yeah, you probably shouldn't. And then they're like, but you're also an asshole too, Blade. Yeah, I am an asshole. But I'm the one. I'm the one buying. Keep drinking. Keep yelling at me. I don't yeah, give a shit. I think, I think you and Paul should probably get together, and you should probably run a good game for him because he's he's a guy that he runs a store game. Yeah. And he uh, he doesn't get to do all the things he wants to. You know, when you're a GM, you don't get to. Be oh God, you never do. Players, but he uh, he has these ideas, and it might be something that you want to add or season your table with. Just, just laying that out there. And plus, the fact he's Irish, so he probably will see your lack of alcoholism and be like, <laughs> "Let me help your your cabinet." <laughs> that. And I know, I know, he won't buy you like you know Johnny Walker. He might get you a Jack Daniels. But hey, look, is, uh, look, Jack Daniels will work. Look, I have spent many. I have spent more than one night crawling out of a bar with a I I, I with a gamer or two to after working out some out some shit. So yeah, Garrett, how many nights I don't care. Over, what, what was that? What was that bar across the street from the game room, Garrett? Oh God, I do. I don't remember, but I mean, we 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 we've spent a lot of nights there, and even after you <laughs> left, I I've actually spent a few nights with different players down at the bar I go to now. Yeah, uh, they have a they have an outside patio type thing with a bar. And, you know, we usually do it on a weeknight when there's really nobody down there. We go and have, we have our, what I like to call our come to Jesus meeting at the back bar of Diesel. And we, we, we have some drinks. We hash out what we need to hash out. And then we go. All right. Yeah. Okay. Usually I prefer um, the bar next door to it, but yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. But, but $3 you call, it's, you know. That's hard, yeah. That's hard to beat. <laughs> that's very hard to beat. I can't beat that. And and I will say that I know I've we, we did have 10 people in the chat, and I will say, chat, thank you for being here so far. Yes. Uh, now we're yes, down to definitely. five. I didn't mean to have attrition hit me as you know halfway through like this, but I will say that the game has always helped me to know people in life and 
if it wasn't for gaming, I probably would not have the rich friends that I have now. And I mean rich, whereas like they've enriched my life. They've they've completely changed my outlook on a lot of things because whenever things were really rough, they always did manage to kind of help get me point in the direction and I would be able to go there. Uh, Garrett and Blaine suffered through my grief when my friend Bill died and they dealt with Billius Maximus, wizard extraordinaire. And uh, best NPC ever. Yeah. And I still use him to this day and I can, I will, Oh, I will. He's been put into the repertoire. We didn't go to the bar for the, you know, to, to RP there. Although I've, I know people that RP at the crow's nest here in San Antonio. I, that's the one rule that I have. If I end up taking my, t t taking a gamer or two out to the bar, is we leave dice in the car. You don't bring them into the bar. I do not want to. I do not want to have anyone, you know, while I'm sitting at the bar polishing it with my elbows. Going, I'm going to roll. No, no, we're not here to play. We're not here to play. We're here to vent. God damn it. <laughs> you know, Go ahead. And yell, yell, yell at my wife then because she always has a full set of dice in her purse because she never knows when a when a game will pop up. <laughs> True. Yes, I do. I, I do have a slide rule at my desk just out of habit. That's funny. Um, I, I will say that the, the the thing that as a GM when you're preparing for session zero, you really just want to be able to read your table. That's going to be like my big all caps instruction for anybody that wants to learn how to run a game that lasts longer than six sessions or even two sessions. Learn how to read your table. Learn how to read your players. Do they get along with each other? Do they know each other? Are they able to coexist at the same table? Is there this constant dick measuring where they're doing this? And you you want to you want to have a healthy table. I really actually think that you want to be able to leave and let them discuss things for a few minutes while you use a restroom or you get a smoke or maybe get yourself a drink of water or something else, whatever you can trust them not to be strangling each other. You, you uh, going back again on trusting at the table, like what Blaine said earlier, I, I trust my players to create a character that's legitimate. You should be able to trust your players to where they're going to treat each other and your table with respect. Yeah. And if you don't read it properly, you're not going to have a table for very long. No, and I made the mistake of actually one of the one of the kids who I'm I, who I'm teaching. He thought he, he thought he could like I'm like I've watched you, you know, GM for a year and a half. I think I can handle being a GM. I'm like, all right, you know, here you go. Here's the keys to the car. Run for run for my play. I, I run for the group. Well, what are you gonna do, Blaine? I'm gonna play. I'm gonna make a character. I'm gonna sit in the background and I'm gonna watch you. And he's like, okay, cool. Within th within two sessions, he had managed to tick the entire table off. And everybody was getting ready to quit because they didn't want to deal with this because he couldn't read his fellow group. Even though he had been in that 
been in that at the table for a year and a half. He should have known everybody, but instead he just went with the, well, well, I, I'm a GM. I'm right. This is what's going to be wrong. And suddenly, every like, so he failed that test of respect your players, put the table, and read the room. He couldn't do it, and thus, and thus when he came back, you know, a few a few weeks ago, goes, hey, now that this arc is ending, can I run again? And I'm like, I don't know. Ask the ask the group, and so he did. And the answer he got back from everybody was, "Oh fuck no." Correction. Oh hell no, we don't want to do that. And he's like, "Well, I'm, I I could do better." And they're like, "No, we don't trust you. You've burnt, you burnt the trust that we had in you." And then he's like, "Okay," and because you know trust is a currency, and if you as a GM, you spend it, uh, you spend it, and you earn it. And if you do a lot of bad tricks, if you lie to them, if you manipulate them, if you just feed them false information, if you just don't treat them right, and you just abuse them, you're burning that trust. And when that and when that number hits zero, they leave. And you're and you're out of players. And I had to sit I had to sit back and go, um, grab the game back, wrench it back, and then fight hard to keep the players who are getting ready to walk off from walking off by saying, no, no, the game is back to being the game I mean, the game that you guys wanted to play. And he found out that was a failed experiment. They liked some things, but they didn't like his attitude. So, like I said, as you say, learning to read your group is so critical because you can rapidly have it go go spiraling in the wrong direction real fast. And that's and to, to tie it back in, that's part of session zero: learning what you can get away with. Yeah, you you really that that's probably the most important thing I've ever had to learn and it it takes you a bit to hone that eyeball to where you can watch your players properly but you get better as time goes on and the more you run the game it does get easier for you to to find a a group for the table you have and i mean there's there's a Well, the unreliable narrative is kind of a trick that you can play a couple times. You can have the players get lied to by a couple NPCs or maybe a guild or business that doesn't like them or value them. You can do that, yeah. but don't overuse that because, again, that that does erode problems. You know that that does accentuate problems at the table. But I would actually, I would say, if you're if you're going to have unreliable narratives. You want to throw it out there before you start really staging that, that something might be afoot. And you always want to give the players an opportunity to learn a little more about their mark or what's going on. Yeah, not so much live, but an NPC that cannot explain things. True. And and one good way to do that is to give them an NPC that's done something for so many years that they forget the small details that they know the, the big things They'll they can give you instructions, but they don't give you the instructions that involve, make sure you stay to the right of the planes, because if you're too much towards the center, you're going to encounter quicksand. And this is something that the players are going to find out. And initially, they're, they're going to blame you as a GM, like you've given them a bum rap. And instead, yeah. if, you, if you don't know how to read your table, or worse yet, 
if you're still a newbie at the, the game, it's okay to fail, but it's also admirable if you fuck up on rulings that you tell your players, I fucked up on rulings. Like, there's a ranger and a druid in your group, and they don't get proper instructions from somebody. He has an unreliable narrative on how to get from point A to point B, and it involves going through an area that does that quicksand. He's done it for so long, he does not know how to describe it. But a player that would have a character that would actually have a chance, you might have to make those die rolls for that player in secret and not let them know what's going on until after you've ascertained what level of information that character would know and how you can relate that to the group. Maybe maybe that's too much explanation there, but I would go ahead. Well, another thing that you can also look at is is that if you also got to be careful that if everybody has a certain like if their lexicon like, like the the language that they're all used to using is a certain way. So if if everyone goes in saying, you know, if we all know this is how it is and then if you just change the meaning of what of of words of certain words like how they're perceived, what they what they mean and then you punish your players for not knowing the change that you just implemented. So say if every if you've never encountered something that's like, this is the God of Truth, and you go up to go talk to them, and then it's like all they do is is tell lies. Well, if you've given there's no clues, no no help on how to to warn them of what's going to happen, and then you punish them for not knowing. Th then you're not doing your job very well as a as a game master. Like you didn't provide any clues, you didn't provide any hints that something is wrong. So if, so say I'm like a better example. If everyone knows what a car is, and then I park a you know a pickup truck out there and say keys are my car. You're gonna go out there and look for a car, and then when you come back saying I can't find your car, and I'm like, like you dumbass, you motherfucker, it's a truck. See that huge F-150 out there? That's mine. Why didn't you find my truck? Because you said it was a car. Oh, and and, and then if, if you and if you get frustrated at your players for not being able to read your mind, to read your definition, that's on you. That's on you for not being able to keep up with what's going on. So I mean so like so if you change things, you gotta make sure that, that you clue everybody else in on the joke. And so and, and if Three, if, if three people are in on the joke and two aren't, you can't punish the people, who, the people who are not in on it because that's not fair. You're going to create bad. Uh, you're going to create animosity and anger that's going to linger. I uh, linger like a cancer, and it's going to grow. It's going to eat your group. It's going to destroy. Th and it's going to destroy it. So again, that's to bring it back to I into session zero. You need to establish what what your lexicon is, what terms you're going to use, what you're going to do, so that way everyone's on the same page, so that way nobody's going out there looking for a, for a car when you want to say truck. So there you go. <laughs> Sorry, I just didn't mean to, to go off off in that direction. So you're, you're good. If if you get too far out in left field, I'm going to try to bring you back. I know sometimes when I talk, I wish I had a double of me to be like, hey, that's that's too much info. Bring this back a bit. Or you're going in the wrong direction, Bruce. 
we, we need a yeah. shot collar for him that we can just you know for, for that's like on his leg or something that we can just hit a button it shit oh okay i'm done I, I, i'm good i'm good I'll- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will. I will put some. Well, and then there's other times where we just we still just shake him up and just just send him off over the internet. Yeah, true. I need to step away from the PC for just a moment. No worries, right, no, no guys. And we're getting near wrap up time anyway, so we should start thinking about closing statements. So that way we don't go to ten o'clock again. Lies. We we'll always go to ten o'clock. <laughs> We usually do, but... 10 o'clock forever. You know what? All right. I don't know how much longer I can, st- I can stay energetic, but okay. I can do this. Oh. But yeah, I've... I'm sorry I've been going off on so many weird tangents, but there's so many ways you can take any of these things to help push how you push how you run things. And, the, the, and they're all actually setting... Setting agnostic, they're all they're rule engine agnostic, and because you can tailor anything, all of these to fit whatever you're playing. Mm-hmm. Oh, real quick, I'll go ahead and throw this in Bruce's uh, chat because there is a link to my uh, to my YouTube page. Yeah, I don't have one. I'm sorry, still won't. Maybe one day when I have a have a microphone that isn't, you know, a potato, you know, a tin can and a, and a camera that isn't powered by potato, it, I would actually think about this, uh, but I don't. The mic, the mic isn't bad. Okay, it's the camera that's powered by potato. And then there's my my Twitch. Uh, so yeah, I'm probably going to take a small break after this, and then I'll be back. And I'm not sure what I'm going to play. I think I'm going to tap my buddy <laughs> over in New Zealand. I think he wanted to play a little. I don't know if he's playing right now. Is he on or is not? It is ten somewhere in the British Empire, somewhere. Yes. but not here. <laughs> oh. Yeah, we were talking about doing some Deep Rock Galactic tonight, so we oh, might. That sounds. It looks like we might fun. Actually, do that. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So, with the. Uh, Shh, 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 shh. He's back. He's back. Oh, God. Oh, I'm shoot. Back. Let me let me walk away. You guys can continue to talk shit about me. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. We're gonna get, we're so uh, we're so doing that. I have no idea. I don't get money off of YouTube videos anyway, Shad. I don't have enough traffic, so I don't I'm not worried about it. <laughs> Oh you know, no, Blaine! If you never, if you ever need energy, let yeah. me know. I will send you coffee. <clears throat> oh God, what brand? Uh, there's only one. No, actually, there's not. There's more than one brand of coffee, but I would go with H uh, E B and their Texas pecan coffee because it's kind of a a different thing for me. You know, I lived in Illinois for over thirty years, and uh, it just kills me that we would put pecan. In a coffee pot, okay, pan, but it's some great. pecans. I'll throw some great. pecans in there. It's one of the best coffees I've ever had. You know, I used to shill for for black rifle coffee, and I I I still <gasps> leave quite a bit in uh, stocking mill coffee, which is out of Virginia, 
the stocking mill that's a gunpowder site. Gunpowder explosion happened here in the 1700s during the Revolutionary War. And the guy's got a bunch of stuff going on there. And it's pretty cool. But they have really good coffee. But there's, and I'll, I'll say something. There's about 80 to 300 blends of coffee out there from veteran coffee makers. Or United States Armed Services veterans. Okay? So just find somebody that makes a coffee you like and buy it. But if I was going to send you coffee, uh, Blaine, I would send you H-E-B, which is a Texas a Texas grocer. I would send right. you pecan coffee. And what you can do, you don't you don't brew it. Don't brew you it. Don't, you don't brew it, huh? You okay. Can. You just put it in your lip like dip. Exactly. You know? Okay, <laughs> I'm okay with that. Caffeine, like that. Shot damn man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a dumbass, but you know, I, I, I have to say that that would be the, that would be the brand of coffee I send you. That's a real good, solid coffee cup. They make, you can grind it. You can have the grounds if you want, tell me what you need. And I'll get it to you because one of these nights we are going to do table breakers till 11 o'clock. But tonight, that's not going to happen. Well, um, I'll make sure. Look, just warn me on what night that's going to happen on so I can make sure I can call it the next day. So, um, Shedzer is giving Garrett some tips on YouTube. You need to disable the age restriction on your videos. Only need setting to make it not for kids. Age restriction will be my videos anyway on YouTube. I know. Uh, I, I I don't get enough through traffic to even worry about it, so I'm not worried about it right it'll now. Have, you'll you'll start to grow. You're you're not a bad streamer. You'll start to grow. Yeah. Um, don't worry. We'll be here to sync it for you. So that's what our just, job is. Just to let you guys know, as a GM, whenever I do session zero, I mainly have already got players that I've ran with before, so I don't even have a true session zero. The the things that I'll spill out to the players is here's the conventions we've got. Here's the one sheet of, of rules that I changed for this campaign. Maybe this campaign, you know, for a plus one magic sword, it doesn't do plus one magic damage. Maybe it does a D8 magic damage, you know, maybe it does stuff like that. So I, I just throw that out there real quick. Yeah. And they ask me how we do an initiative and I'll explain that. Uh, if I have a new person at the table, I do everything I can to show them as much as I can about the rule system, which is pretty simple. Pathfinder, for all of its ins and outs, it is a very simple system that relies on tax math. If you know how to do your taxes, you can play Pathfinder. Uh, it, it's it's more of the manual transmission RPG for, for most GMs. It's not an automatic like a lot of rules-like systems. But you want, you want to really just... Read your table, make sure everybody gets along well enough to where you're going to have a table, and then hope and pray that nothing really bad happens during your game, like something where like somebody's father dies or somebody's grandfather is moving out of a, a location. So for the next six six weekend games with that person are scrapped because he's going to be helping grandpa move. Just all those things, you want to get that out of the way. But once you get the communications down, Session zero is just a walk in the park where at the very worst, you're going to be creating characters and players will be trading information. They'll be talking about things. If it's a, if it's a crunchy game like Pathfinder, 
most of my players know where they want to go, what prestige class they like last last campaign. They want to go that direction again, which is okay. I'm not going to say how dare they, but I want your comfort zones. Yeah. Yeah. And and you do need that new player to jump in at your table to shake up your table from time to time, because you will otherwise have like the Knights of the Dim table where Ryan always plays a battle mage. Dave always plays fucking barbarian. Sarah plays Justina, the knight, you know, or paladin. And you know what these guys are going to play. Yes. Now, one thing you can do, and I, I recommend every GM try this at some point, do pre-gens for players that have been with you for like two years. And just create a character, give them some backstory, some some hints and tips, maybe a couple levels if you're going to start off like third or fourth level. I don't recommend that all the time. I like starting at first of every campaign, but I have not been faithful to that rule. But give them a character that is a GM, how would they have the most fun? Because you watch them for the last how many campaigns? So you know them, and you've watched them smile when they didn't realize it, and they didn't realize how much they were enjoying certain mechanics or certain story elements. But for for one table, if you have multiple campaigns together, for one table when you have those friends together, it's kind of cool as a GM to do a best of or an all-stars type of game table where you know Chris is going to play a magus or he's going to play a wizard. And then you go to Tommy. Tommy's going to play a thief. And then you go to Bill. Bill, he always plays a fighter. So give him the uh, two-handed weapon wielder build, you know, and just let him have fun with that. Don't make it a big, long campaign. Run it to like fifth or sixth level and then cut it. Just let them have fun with it and then decide, you know, hey, listen, you know, that was kind of the end boss of that campaign. Did you want to play longer? Because I've got more adventures. I've got I've got two Florida ceiling shelves of campaign stuff and adventures and NPCs free to kill. We can keep going, but you can do that. And as a GM, I recommend everybody that's a GM out there, they kind of get a good feel for their players. It might be a good idea sometimes to create a all-stars type of game where you as a GM, you've seen them and just create them that character that they've always gravitated towards. Give them that and, and just see what happens. I know this sounds like some people are going to groan about it. Oh my God. I can't believe Bruce is doing this. Try it. Just, just try it. See where your table goes. And then the next campaign, put them on their head, run Cthulhu. <laughs> I think I think the best one of something like that where you're talking about is we had a transition game and it was only for like about four to six sessions, if that. Yeah. And all the players woke up with amnesia. Okay, yeah, I know this one. This one's a good one. Did not know what the race they didn't even know what race they were until they looked in a mirror. Or they had someone describe to them what they were. They were a party, I think it was about 7th to 10th level. And they had to go around this lab in this castle that they woke up in, basically, and try to figure out what happened. Yeah. I did a similar thing where mine went a little bit differently, but it was one of those things where it's 
where I kind of went with the, in a in a slightly not amnesic state, but I kind of went with the until you use it, you you don't. I in essence just like here's your blank character sheet. As we as we play and as we describe, you can fill in as you feel, but until you use it, it's not locked in stone yet. So it allowed them to not pre-generate, but shape through their actions and their play style towards, you know, and by the end of session two, everyone has a character sheet built and now it fits their actual play style. They aren't trying to go, well, my character only knows X. I'm like, well, you have two, you have two scared, two skills, I am proficiency slots that you haven't filled yet. So maybe do you want to use it on being able to climb that wall? Yeah. And suddenly, by by organic evolution, they've now created a good character that the group now all fits together because they've all kind of evolved in through mm-hmm. the actions into that end state. And that and then I'm like, well, now that you've all, now that all your feats are all all picked out, now all your skills are all picked out, now that all your stats are all picked out, now you're locked in stone. And that and that one player who's at the end goes. I have one skill I haven't placed and he will guard that skill. Like it's the most important thing in the universe. Cause he's waiting for that perfect moment to drop it in. And it was a fun moment. And it, but that was an interesting experiment that I probably won't do again because that took trusting my players to be smart. Hmm. And you don't get to, and you don't get that kind of group very often. Um, have you two ever played, Dungeon Crawl Classics. Mm-mm. No. Nope. Okay. Sorry. DCC has an unusual reputation in the world. And the way that it earned it was that it's got this fervent group of DMs that go out with uh, scratch-off ticket character sheets at conventions. And so you go to a convention and you play in a funnel with these other players and or maybe it's not a funnel, maybe it's just a, an actual character who's got a level. But typically, when you're asked for a test, you have to roll a die, and then you find out what your modifier is. So you have to locate it on the scratch-off sheet and then scratch that piece off and find what your bonus is. By the end of the adventure, you have all your character sheet filled out. So you know what you're playing, and if you so choose, you can continue it. But the typical way the game is played is at home every character you roll four of them per player characters are not that detailed you might have a character that's got a butcher so he has a dagger another guy might have like uh, another mundane skill so he's got a, a blacksmith hammer but you'll go through the dungeon starting with four player characters and they can't do a whole lot you're going through a combat round for all four of them within two minutes or less. Yeah. And you'll have six people at the table, 24 characters at the, the game, and maybe six or less survive. So that's, go ahead. That's very similar to an I to an alternate game start for a game I used to enjoy. It was always known as the uh, level zero ninja campaign, where <laughs> where every player gets like five level zero ninjas and with a group. And it's, I guess it's through, it's through just attrition. People die. And the whole thing is you're just trying to get to survive a mission. 
and you're just like throwing ninjas away as you're trying to go, oh, oh God, I, I'm down to one ninja. Somebody else sacrifice a few ninjas so we can get this job done. And it was, But because in that game, ninjas were expendable. They were the most bargain basement low things. But, but the thing is, by the end of the two or three adventures, you've earned enough experience points that you're now a level one character, a level one ninja. You're like, awesome. Now we're like, like the five, the five players who, who are surviving out of the, out of the 30 that went in, you're like, Oh, okay. We're ready to actually be competent now. And then they get killed off in the first adventure because they meet everybody else. Who's also competent who are better than them. And it's fun. It was a fun way of playing and I would never do it more than twice. Um, at some point, when you go to convention, check out DCC. That, okay. That, that, that's, that's, it's a four-hour session. You'll never have to do it again, but I do recommend every every game master go out and try it because it's just got another set of tools you can throw in your toolbox and run. I can, I can do that. I just got to get to a convention um, sometime in my lifespan, lifetime again. All right, Bruce, Blaine, we're yeah. at our uh, termination point. So Yes, we are. I'm going to shut up now. Our... Uh, <laughs> Are you going to be doing anything big on the YouTubes this weekend or uh, this uh, next coming week? Um, unless you invite me somewhere, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will get with you in Discord if we have a uh, if we have a discussion about that. And Shadzar, I don't know if Mutant Crawl Classics has the funnel. I will have to ask a friend of mine who is in love with Goodman Games. And I found out tonight that Goodman Games, if they did not do Kickstarter... Kickstarter being the one thing that make it, it, it initially was really cool, but I'm tired of Kickstarter. If uh, Mutant Crawl Classics and Dungeon Crawl Classics was focused on full time by Goodman Games, and they did not do the Kickstarter for their giant D and D adventures that they're reprinting from first edition, they would be the third largest role-playing game company or publisher in the market if they did not do Kickstarter. They would be the third largest. I think first is Watsy and then Paizo. And then it'd be Goodman. But you got... Anyway, so I was a little upset when I heard about that because I, I hate Kickstarter now. Anyway, uh, I don't want to ramble. Garrett, what do you have going on in the next seven days? Uh, actually, right after this, uh, at 10 o'clock uh, Central, PM Central, I'm going to be coming back with a buddy of mine in ZTNT. Uh, he is from New Zealand, uh, if you didn't figure that one out. Uh, and we're going to be doing some deep uh, Rock Galactic on Twitch, so make sure you uh, come check us out. You want to post I posted the, I, I already posted the links in the, in the chat before while you were away at the restroom or whatever you were doing. Uh, so, yeah, that's... Uh, I still got another week of vacay. So, yeah, that's about all I got. Okay. Not doing too much. I'm just kind of chilling and relaxing. Well, Tuesday of next week, I know we have another Gatekeeper stream, and for those of you guys ah. that are Gatekeepers, we will be doing that. Uh, Blaine, are you going to be available or no? No, I'm actually in the middle of um, running a end of a, a end of arc uh, naval battle on, on that day, so I won't be available. It's understandable. Uh, we'll know more as uh, the weekend approaches. And for those of you that want to watch that, 
it'll be on the gatekeepers channel i believe and i don't even know who's hosting it this next next week but appreciate no everybody for being here uh chad's are like blaine needs to really make a video on his channel uh, maybe, maybe no no i don't i really don't me without anyone else there to, to tell me no or to shut up would be a bad idea <laughs> well i just uh want to say thank you for all the chat people we've had in tonight's uh grouping uh everybody from shadzar and Sha and shauner films uh just to let you know those miniatures i've painted over the past three weeks and i need to finish varnishing them uh nice. these, yeah these guys here ah! yeah i know uh one of these days this dust will be clear i've got a lot <laughs> don't to, i've got a lot to work on well this used to be worse whenever i first about eight months ago, my cousin emptied out her storage locker, and all the stuff I had in Illinois <laughs> was in that storage locker. And I'm like, I forgot all about you. And like two thirds of it was finished stuff, and the other third was was things that me and Garrett hadn't painted yet. So, <laughs> yeah, Shedzar said you'll get monetized overnight by rambling. I think I think that's pretty accurate. Oh yeah, I can I, I can just pull a gaming version of Philip DeFranco, and I'll be fine. So <laughs> there we go. All right, so from everybody here at the Table Breakers, Garrett and Blaine. Happy. Blaine, do you want to you escort us out? I know you said you've probably, you think you've talked a lot so far, but I. Uh, yeah, I, I have I, talked a lot. I as well, I guess I can just go with the old classic, um, keep your name out of the papers, but that's about it. That's all I got. That doesn't sound like a bad idea. Guys, scan the obituaries. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think that's exactly what he meant, but we'll go with it. Hey, out of papers, any way you can say out of the papers is a good way to say out of the papers. So. True story. <laughs> I don't hey. see how people could hate Wayne, but I've known him for so long. It's, it's fun. Guys, it happens. Take care. take care. See you all next week.